Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Surely, Jesus has borne our griefs. He has carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the chastisement that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds we are healed. The Lord saw fit, because we like sheep have gone astray, saw fit to lay the iniquity of us all upon him. And because because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, he bore the sin of many, and he makes intercession for the transgressors. Jesus bore our grief, our sorrow, our sin. He was crushed for our iniquities. And now that he has risen from the dead, he lives to make intercession for us. He never stops working for the church. And on the last day, he will return for her. He reminds us in our Revelation reading, he says this to the church. Surely I am coming soon. And as we as the church reply, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. We look forward to that day when he returns for us. Sometimes, sometimes we look forward to that day more than others. Especially when we're going through a difficult time or a difficult experience. When we really know the suffering in the world. We can't wait for Jesus' return. The question is, what types of things do you want to be rescued from? When you look at, when you look at the world around you, what is it that you, you say, Jesus, deliver me from this? What types of things make you pray for him to return, for you to be home with him? There is a reason that the Lord's prayer always ends with this. Deliver us from evil. Martin Luther noted that this means that we pray in this petition in summary that our Father in heaven would rescue us. That he would rescue us from every evil of body and soul, possessions and reputation. That he would give us a blessed end at our last hour and graciously take us from this valley of sorrows to be with him in heaven. As Christians, we have our hearts set on that day. We long to be rescued, saved, delivered from this place and that we would be with Jesus. So why doesn't he come back already? Why isn't he here? The Holy Spirit directed the Apostle Peter to answer that question, to tell the church to wait on the Lord with patience. He writes, Do not overlook this one fact, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. 
The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness. But he is patient toward you, not wishing that anyone should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. It's hard to wait on the Lord, and I think that sometimes we forget that we are waiting for him, especially when things are good. We get so caught up in our plans that we forget that he is coming. But Peter reminds us he will come, and it will surprise us like a thief. But if you listen closely to what Peter said, he tells us why Jesus is waiting, why he seems to be in delay. He is delaying his return because he's patient towards you. And he wishes that not any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So Jesus is delaying his return for the sake of people who do not yet know him. And my brothers and sisters in Christ, that's why you're here as well. Because people don't know Jesus You are not in heaven because Jesus chooses to work through his church to bring people to the waters of holy baptism where he will wash them with water and the word, saving them through this washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. He desires to make us his own. And as we wait for Jesus... He has not left us as orphans. We have his Holy Spirit who brings us to the knowledge that Jesus is always with us in word, in absolution, in his very flesh and blood in the supper, in, with, and under the bread and wine. And Jesus is not only with us, Jesus is for us. We have a champion. We have someone fighting on our behalf. And through us, Jesus is not only for the people in this room. Through us, Jesus is for the world. He is not only with this lost world through the church. He is striving for her salvation. Jesus' high priestly prayer It remains his prayer. That's what we read in John 17. He was praying to the Father. That prayer continues. He's not like he's switched subjects and he's on to something different. He continues to pray this prayer as the one who lives, as the one who intercedes for the bride, the church. So listen as he continues this prayer. Jesus prays, I do not ask for these only, that is the twelve apostles, but I also pray for those who will believe in me through their word. Right from the very beginning, we see that his prayer is for you, it is for me, it is for all the saints who have believed in Jesus through the word of the apostles. 
That's basically everybody has come to faith through the word of God. Paul would write, faith comes through hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. His prayer is for all the company of heaven and for all the church on this side of heaven. And what is his prayer for us? He prays that we would all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. His prayer is for unity. I've been thinking about this all week. This unity. What does this mean? How can we make this unity happen? How do I fulfill Jesus' prayer by becoming one with the church and one with Jesus and the Father? You see a problem with those questions? Who is the motivator in those questions? It's me. How do I do it? If Jesus would have wanted us to accomplish this prayer, he would have stopped talking to the Father and he would have turned to the Twelve and he would have said, you need to figure out a way to become one with each other. You need to figure out a way to become one with me and with the Father. But he doesn't do that. He prays that the Father would make us one. And how does the Father answer Jesus' prayer? He sends Jesus to the cross. Where Jesus gives his body and blood to the church who is sprinkled in holy baptism. In Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him, through him to reconcile all things to himself, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. You can't have oneness without peace, and you can't have peace without forgiveness, and you can't have forgiveness without the blood of Jesus' cross. By his blood, we are made one with him. And by his forgiveness, we are able to forgive one another as he first forgave us. The answer to Jesus' prayer is his own sacrifice for our forgiveness. The answer to his prayer is his work. It's not ours. He even prayed to the Father for the apostles and all who believe that we would be sanctified in the truth. The word of God is truth. Jesus himself is the word made flesh. He is the truth. And all who are of the truth listen to his voice. By his Holy Spirit, we abide in him who makes us one. Now, what does this look like in your daily life? This may seem all kind of philosophical, all kind of out there. What does it look like for you on a daily basis? Well, I'm sure that in your house and in your daily relations, you spend a lot of time in disagreement with those around you. 
Am I wrong? <laughs> In my own house, there is a great deal of disagreement each and every day. I'm sure our house is not unique in this way. But the disagreement, it leads to tension, at least on my part. And a great number of times this disagreement leads to sin. Either in an angry outburst, uh, in somebody taking somebody else's toys, you name it. And sin, it breaks God's law, which is love. And his law is written on our hearts. And after we do this sin, the Holy Spirit reminds us that the sin and tension that we have towards the other people in our lives, it needs to be drowned and die through contrition and repentance. I'm sorry. I want to change. In other words, in my house, we say, I am sorry that I did this or that. And we probably do it 30, 40, 50 times a day. And in my house, we're not allowed to say, don't worry about it. We're not allowed to say, well, it's okay. When somebody sins against us, we have to say the words, I forgive you. And sometimes we say, I forgive you for Jesus' sake. We as a family are daily restored to oneness because of the forgiveness that flows from Jesus' cross. We are continually brought back to the spoken word of forgiveness that Jesus gives to us through his Holy Spirit. And again, it's daily. And this is not only daily in our homes, but in our church life as well. Has anyone at church ever made you mad? <laughs> if you would now get up and go to that person and no, I'm just <laughs> And have you ever sinned in thought, word, and deed? And I want you to know something. When you sin, you separate yourself from God and the church. You say, not right now, I don't want unity. Well, have you ever, is a funny question, because the answer is, of course you have. We all need to come back here each and every week And what are we gathered around when we come back here? Are we gathered around our own accomplishments? Are we gathered around our good deeds? Are we gathered around our good looks? No? (laughs) Eric is. (laughs) What are we gathered around? (laughs) We're gathered around this font. We are gathered around this altar. We are gathered around the confession of our sins. We are gathered around the announcement of our forgiveness. We are gathered around the one who makes us one. We are gathered around the same Christ that the disciples gathered around. 
When Jesus prayed that prayer, he makes us one. And why is it so important that he would do this? He continues praying that they may all be one so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus' love, it's never contained. It must spill over in confession and absolution towards one another. It must spill over in the way that we treat the world around us. For our unity in our church and in our homes, it flows from Jesus' sacrifice, and it is something that the world does not yet know. We are not left here, this side of heaven, so that we can brag, so that we can brag to the world that we are the ones that have it all together. We're not like a cool social club. <laughs> we are here because the world does not yet know Jesus. We are sinners. We confess that right at the beginning of the service. And we are saved by God's grace. And he desires to save all sinners in this world by this same grace. We are living testimonies of God's work. His love in the world. And may our interactions with the world be used by God. So that he can share with them the word made flesh who has the power to make strangers that we meet out there into our brothers and sisters in Christ. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia.